1: relax this is toe i'm charlie clausen i'm will anderson <laughs> hello we're back for our second attempt of cyber toe yeah last time it's fair to say i was a bit overwhelmed by the level of complaints <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny is i too was kind of overwhelmed and i late one night i'm like do i send an email to the guys and just say hey Maybe we should just, because I know like part of our mythology is we're shit at stuff and, you know, we have bad, bad sound quality. But now that we have kind of patrons, I feel like a responsibility to deliver a better product. Well, the funny thing was uh, that Mike Hell, our super
0: producer, um, sent me a message and sent me said you can have a little preview listen to you know how mm. it sounded, and so I had a preview listen and <laughs> I was wrapped. So um, I was
1: really like shocked when people were like, uh, "What's with the shit audio yeah, I, quality?"
0: And I was like, "Well, a hey, you think, must
1: you mustn't have listened to some early episodes." I think it's the equivalent of celebrating a goal too early. Like we were that kind of guys. Just come on the ground. You know, we got just a couple of cheap touches and, and, you know, kicked a goal. But it was dead in front. And we were too busy patting ourselves on the back for that easy victory when everyone else was like, mate, you ignored six better options running to that goal. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, no, I think I've kicked a goal. Essentially, it was like Liber in 1997.
0: And I think that I've kicked the goal that's got us into the grand final. I'm too busy on
1: everybody's shoulders, like celebrating and shit. And you're like... You're like the sprinter you see in every like every failed YouTube video. The sprinter who's getting to the finish line and starts cheering to the crowd and then trips over, grinds his face into the dirt. Or or, or just the guy
0: who's running along and thinks he's winning the race and starts doing the big finger up at the crowd
1: and then just someone sneaks behind him <laughs> and wins the actual race. That's what I was like. My uh, brother tells a story about my, my eldest brother watching him at like a sports carnival when they were, I guess they would have been uh, uh, 12 and 14. And uh, uh, the younger brother was saying that, uh, you know, Matthew, who uh, was never really like an athlete, was in this 400-meter race and was actually winning. And he felt this, like, swell of pride. He's like, that's my brother. That's my big brother out there. And then about 100 meters before the finish line, Matthew tripped over his own feet, hit the ground, (laughs) and came in last. It's like, it was that brief shining moment of, I guess it was pride. And then that quickly went away.
0: Um, I, I've told you the story before, but it's my, like my favourite story from high school about Ramesh Harry Chandran. Uh, and Ramesh was the guy who every year we would have to do this like fitness test in PE. And what, one of the components of it is you had to run two laps of the oval and they would time people, you know, with the laps of the oval. And Ramesh would always like first lap around, like he would be winning the fitness test and then second lap around two years in a row, Ended up going to hospital in an ambulance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you? He's just going to go. Did you? Did you get on with your PE teacher? Did you one of those? Because you know PE teachers. When it comes to teachers in the kind of teacher community, the PE teacher is kind of they tend to be of extreme personality types. And we had a teacher when I was in a, sort of you know my junior school. That it was a ticking time bomb and we knew with just the right amount of provocation you could get like, it, you could get the reaction out of him. We even made him cry one day when we were playing cricket where he said, look, if you're going to go for like a, you're going to tonk it, just don't hit it over the fence because, you know, then we have to go get the balls again. So every single kid just gently lobbed the ball down to the batsman so one by one we could go and tonk the ball over the fence. And I remember seeing him just kind of staring at us and he just took off his whistle, put down his clipboard, walked over to the stands and just sat down and put his head in his hands with just the body language of a guy who was like... Why did I, I... chose this profession. I've got no one to blame but myself for this for this situation. And I'm not even getting the perks of being a PE teacher at a girls'
0: school where I can <laughs> sleep with the students. Well, we don't know that he didn't have those perks. It was a Catholic school. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a... Our PE teacher was called a Mr. Payne. <laughs> Laurie Payne was Perfect. his name. Uh, and he was definitely... Definitely a pain by name and pain by nature sort of PE approach. He was an ex. uh, He was a veteran, and he had been in a prison camp, and he'd had his Achilles uh, tendons cut while he was in the prison camp. So it was what they did to the sold, so they they wouldn't escape. So they would just cut their Achilles tendons, so they couldn't run away. And so he was like this old, hard, like had a bunch of like prison tattoos. Are you sure this
1: was your teacher and not that scene in Pet Cemetery where? uh... The Herman Munster gets his Achilles cut by the Demon Kid. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? It, Because there's nothing
0: that sounds more painful. (laughs) than getting your Achilles tendons cut. And he was this really fit-looking guy. We used to have to do weights and push-ups and all that sort of stuff, but he couldn't do any of the running. But he was, he ruled with like a an iron fist, but he was very
1: respected. He was like a, a good guy, and people really, really him. Yeah, we liked had him. a guy who uh, ran our school camps up in Warburton. And I don't know, did you do school camps? Yeah, we had a um place called, oh, oh yeah, what fuck. was it uh, called? There was a... Ours was called Oh, Buxton, I believe. B-U-X-T-O-N. Yeah. Oh, it sounds, okay. like, a, it sounds like a strip was, called Buxtown. Ours, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I think ours was called Kimbala or something like that. And when you got there, you had to walk through some sort of like gate or like wooden sort of construction and say Kimbala. Oh, wow. Maybe we were at Scientology. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was Scientology.
1: I don't know. All I remember about our camps was it was, you know, did you go for three or four days... But it was all about when will we go on the Flying Fox. That was always like the, the golden attraction of going on camp is going on the Flying Fox. Because for some reason, doing obstacle courses, uh, you know, that, were, that, were, that was the, the bonding activity, I guess it was. Like, you know, let's go and teach these kids about teamwork and stuff by watching them uh, uh, ignore the fat kid while they climb over <laughs> rubber tires. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't teach teamwork. <laughs> well, I guess it's the
0: equivalent of like AFL pre-seasons and stuff like that. They all do those sort of like, you know, commando training camps and Tough Mudder and all those sort of things, I guess, to get them ready. Do for, they still, like, you did know, the they still seasons?
1: do that? Tough Mudder? I thought that was kind of like a 70s, like, you know, uh, Kennedy, wasn't it Kennedy's, John Kennedy's, comm- Kennedy's commandos. John Kennedy, the North Melbourne coach, he was the one who first said, we're going to send you to, uh, wh- where's that, uh, is, uh, what's that? There's an army base in Victoria that they always to go to. I can't remember what it was. Pacapanyol. It was Pacapanyol, wasn't it? Where they'd send the players. But Yeah, Pacapanyol. they start sort of taking it into, uh, like in the 90s, where they had uh, Ben Hart, didn't he walk on like hot coals or something like that in Adelaide and burn his feet? And then they're like, oh, you know what? Let's scale back on the, the commando training bonding sessions. Just go back to handball drills and high altitude training. Yeah, but I think that like walking on hot coals, that's like.
0: That doesn't actually show how tough no. you are. You're not meant to walk on hot coals. The trick of that is so you've got to do it really quickly. It's just a is trick. It? You know, if you walk for faster, yeah. it's They trick you into saying it's all about your state of mind or blah, blah, blah. But literally, if you walk at the right pace over coals, they don't burn you, like, in a way. But I don't know whatever the, Ben Hart, whoever it was, but apparently they were just like, oh, I might linger. I might just have a pause here, like I'm a
1: statue on these hot coals. And then you just cook like you're at a barbecue. How did you uh, find out about the walking in the hot coals thing? I just always, I just, oh, I just, I just I always assumed that it was like a miracle. <laughs> 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 I was just thinking about it then. It's like I've never questioned it. I'm like, oh yeah, you just psych yourself into a trance and then you walk across coals. It's uh, God protecting your feet. <laughs> and I just accepted that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty much how religion yeah, totally. works, mate. So, yeah, people people who go, "That's a miracle." I'm sure there's no other explanation, and I couldn't be bothered finding <laughs> one out.
1: So, all right, on the on the subject of like miracles, so what about the better nails? How does that one work? <laughs> Again, it's
0: kind of a trick. Uh, you have to have the nails close enough. To each other that you can lay down on them in a way that the nails don't individually go into you so it's about the construction of the nails and then how you actually lay on that better nails although i have a friend who's a professional better nails guy and um it, like he's a street theater performer but better nails is his specialist thing and he can lie on it and they will drop like he'll put like plates on him and get someone on a ladder to drop a bowling ball and stuff so I mean, you still have to be pretty tough. I think. I don't think you should just lay down on a bed of nails and get someone to do that to your first <laughs> time up. Okay,
1: snake charming. Go. Uh, that, that you genuinely have to be charming. <laughs> yeah, Hamish Bla- Hamish Blake it's, is an excellent snake charmer. Uh, anyone who's
0: charming can charm a snake. That's but by- George Clooney, like literally, is like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Uh, the ch- snake charming thing is quite an interesting one because I don't know how snake charming works, but I'm sure there is you know, some explanation. Most of the time when things happen, there's some explanation Yeah, that's not a miracle.
1: Okay, so you're trying to say that the Jesus in a toast thing is just a coincidence.
0: I mean, that's a miracle, <laughs> obviously. it's a mir- I mean, it's a miracle if you get a bit of toast that's cooked that well. I mean, is it... I, the thing that's interesting about the Jesus in the toast thing to me is... That we don't, none of us really know what Jesus looked like. Like the cultural like, version of Jesus that we see in churches and stuff, we all know isn't what Jesus looked like because, you know, Jesus was from the Middle East. Like there's no way he looked like, you know, Russell Brand. So that's a,
1: that's a good point. Like I wonder what would happen in the Christian community if the next kind of uh, appearance in a piece of toast is a transgender Jesus. Like, what if it's like, you know, that, is it right. Conchita, the, uh, the uh, girl who won Eurovision with a beard? If that's how yep. the next appearance of Jesus appeared on a piece of toast, I wonder, like, because it's really all about interpretation. Like, that to a, to a modern Christian could be their image of Jesus Christ. But I wonder if it would be accepted by the uh, wider Christian community. Could you have a transgender Jesus?
0: I, f- I feel like if they're accepting images on toast, <laughs> they're in no position to be making rules about who, what, else, what else that image could be.
1: What happened? You flinched.
0: Uh oh, I heard a noise like there was a train landing. A train <laughs> landing? You know how trains you know how trains yes. land. <laughs> a fly, you know one of those flying yeah. trains just yeah, a landed.
1: Flock, a fucker train <laughs> just went past my window. Uh, is that f- and, and now it's uh, a what's, second- ha- what's
0: happened on the Skype? Is you're in this, like, now you basically look like you're in some video I would see on at Rage at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, like back in the 70s, what they thought the future
1: would look like. That's really <laughs> what I'm getting of you right now. So it's kind of cool. Hey, I um, have been meaning to ask you, because we didn't do it in the, in the last podcast, but you finally went and saw The Force Awakens. I did. Yes, what? yes, yes, I did. Um, for my birthday
0: I went and saw it uh, because I completed it because I'd seen the first 30 minutes and then we'd been evacuated from the cinema so I had then waited a few months and I kind of heard what people thought and I was ready I was like excited to go and see it (sighs) I don't know I mean it had a lot of potential but I just as a movie I just kind of felt like you know, all the ingredients were there, but I just didn't feel like the meal was as satisfying as I was hoping it was going to yeah, be. Yeah,
1: I felt like it was it was a satisfying meal at the time. And then as I went away from the cinema, the kind of glow passed. And I was like, ah, oh, I think it was just, it was, it was one of those weird things. I always, in this era of reboots and, and you know, relaunching your franchises and recycling ideas, you know, at a faster and faster rate. There was one film that came out that I think completely typify what doesn't work about this kind of this the whole i guess movement it was the footloose remake did you see that uh-huh. and the strange th- uh yes yes yeah. I did. the strange thing about it is they obviously wanted to tip their hat to the original while also updating it for a new audience but the stuff that they chose to tip their hat to was uh, uh did not fit this new timeline so or this this new era so it was a modern film with modern music and a modern kid but he was driving the same old volkswagen uh, uh beetle that kevin bacon drove and he was dressed in kind of 80s clothes and so it was. what's the word is it anachronistic or anachronistic it's just those things didn't go together the film didn't know what it wanted to be and i kind of felt like with the force awakens and even jurassic world it's like you are not getting a new story. You're getting a kind of um, a highlights package of things that you enjoyed. And it's just, I think The Force Awakens is better than Footloose and better than Jurassic World, but it's still this kind of hollow feeling that, oh, there's no new ideas to this. You just played a cover version of, of what I liked.
0: Well, that's what it is it's a tribute movie. Yeah. It's like
1: you've gone to, say,
0: The Force Awakens, the Australian Star Wars show down under, and they're just doing all the greatest Star Wars hits with their own individual twists, you know. But it's essentially the the guy's not quite dressed up as Darth Vader. He's dressed up in a suit that's kind of similar to Darth Vader. And, you know, like, and yeah, but it had all those beats. And, you know, there was some fun in it. And like most Star Wars films, the thing that I will say about it is the mythology, all the things that it kind of introduces are
1: all things that could be be explored in a really interesting yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say, is I kind of feel like, you remember when Lady Gaga first hit the scene, her first single and her first music video, it's fairly kind of generic by pop music standards, like it's her at a house party and, you know, she's dressed like a pop star and, you know, she's got a little bit of like face paint, so there's a hint, you know, that she, she's a bit different, but ultimately to get her foot in the door and to, and to, and to get people interested in the Gaga brand, she had to do something very, fairly generic and then once she moved into kind of, you know, the next video and the next video, she started like totally unleashing what she actually wanted to do. And I remember when we were making music videos for Sony, uh, you know, and they would have an artist who was their first single and the artist would always come in with these really big ideas. And I'd always say, always remember Lady Gaga had to get a foot in the door before that she could then do what she wanted. And I kind of feel that that's what The Force Awakens is because they are bringing on these interesting directors, you know, Ryan Johnson and, you know, who are really interesting filmmakers and they will hopefully do their take. There was always a story about the um, prequel trilogy that I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe, uh, Mike Hal, you can look this up for us. But apparently Spike Jones wanted to direct one of the Star Wars prequels and approached George Lucas about directing it. And I always thought that would be amazing to see a Spike Jones film set in that universe.
0: I, I think that you're right about the Gaga thing. You need a Gateway <laughs> video to get to the rest of the audience. And I... And I hope that in the future, this will mean that uh, we're going to see Kylo Ren in the next film in a meat dress. (laughs) That's what I'd like to say. Really take it to the next level. No, I think you're right. And I think the future for Star Wars, if there's going to be a future for Star Wars, should be that idea that you get different directors to kind of give it their feel. And you can see so-and-so's take. In the same way as you see it about James Bond now, you get like Sam Mendes' take on James Bond. And then maybe next time you can get someone else's take on James Bond. I think there's probably room in the Star Wars universe for, for that to happen now. And in an interesting way. Like you really could do... The Ewoks <laughs> thing, you know, you could really do, you know, the Ewoks you know, battle for Endor or whatever it was. If you gave that to a cool, like, funny director who, like, you know, kind of was in that world, or if you let the Pixar guys, like, you know, whatever he's got, the genius dude from Pixar who came up with all their John good Lasterda. movies, give him a go at doing, a, doing a, an Ewoks movie, you know, and see what that would look
1: like. I think that would yeah, be Mike cool. Yeah, Mike Howell has uh, found the link. So uh, it was Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, Many directors were rumoured to helm the 2002 sequel. Actually, it's funny, there's a typo in this. It's meant to say sequel, but what it says is 2002 squeal. I don't know what website this has been (laughs) taken from, but I would be interested to see the 2002 squeal. Uh, George Lucas approached Curtis Hanson, LA Confidential, Frank Darabont, uh, creator of every footballer's favourite film, Shawshank, Shawshank. Shawshank. Spike Jones. Henry Selick, Roland Emmerich, and Sam Mendes. So, yeah, they, they're, they're, oh, they're good suggestions. Yeah. I would have loved to see Spike Jones's take on it because I think it would have been Attack of the John Malkovich clones. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember Curtis Hanson when he made 8 Mile coming out and doing this interview about uh, working with Eminem? He no. told this story, you know, the, the, uh, the scene at the end where Eminem has to sort of, you know, do the final, the final rap battle. Apparently on the day mm-hmm. uh, Eminem uh, said that his throat was hurting and so he wanted to lip sync the whole final battle. And uh, he started, they did one or two takes and the crowd started booing. And so Eminem gets so annoyed he turns the mic on and goes, all right, all right, I'll do it for real. And, that. and they cut to Curtis Hansen and you've never seen a guy more unhip-hop, more uncool, like describing... Probably one of the coolest moments, you know, in a hip hop movie, hip hop, hip hop music in general. But it's 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 like hearing a scientist analyze a joke. It's like, well, of course, uh, the it stimulates the receptors in your ears, which uh, activate a memory for you, which you find amusing. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. You should listen to his commentary. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, I would like – I mean, that movie, I, re-
0: I rewatched that the other night, 8 Mile. It was on somewhere where I was, and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll have a look. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, I think it's still a pretty good movie. I'm surprised that we didn't see Eminem, like, do other acting stuff, because he's actually a pretty good actor,
1: and you can imagine, like, he could play other things than Eminem. Yeah, but could he? I mean, that was like a tailor-made role. I mean, what did he have to do beyond kind of what he does anyway? I mean, he's got everything... But what does anyone have to do? He, well, he has everything to lose. Like, it's kind of... You know, his he, the one film he did was really good and he won an Oscar for the soundtrack and stuff. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't roll the dice again. Things are going pretty good in the music scene. Just stay there. What about a sequel? Nine Mile.
0: Just touch back in. See what's going on in Rabbit's life. Bust out some more rhymes. Well, what they were... What about... Oh, no. What about this? Okay. What about... He's got a kid who also wants to become a rapper. So it's like the son
1: of, like, you know, Eminem. In the film, he's got a little sister. So, what, it's been, how long has it been? 10 years? How old are we? Jesus Christ. No, it's been longer, like 15 oh. years. Mike Howell, can you look up when 8 Mile came out? So us? Yeah, he, he um, had a little sister in that film. So, and you, they, they do gender reboots, uh, Ghostbusters. Like, that's perfect. That, I mean, I, I'm, I would be surprised if that's not being discussed right now. Okay,
0: so it came out in 2002. So the kid was like young then. So, you, oh, right sort of age. So, you can kind of like, you know, kids like 18, 19, 20, let's just say, uh, wants to become a female rapper. You can redo the whole thing with commentary on the world of what the women's place in the kind of largely misogynist kind of feeling of like rap battles. You could kind of have that whole thing around, you know, that women, you know, kind of can't battle and it's not their place and the insults that women get in that situation of the misogyny. And
1: I reckon it's the creed. It's our Creed, you know, reboot of, of 8 Mile. I wonder, though, like, if the first film was about a white guy trying to be accepted in a black scene, do you repeat the beats with, the, with his little sister? Because she's white again. Or is it not worth going over? Is the new kind of, the new question, well, how does she get accepted by, like, a largely male-dominated scene? Yeah, and we get Iggy Azalea to play up. So... Boo! Boo! <laughs> Breed of that, but you. But would you really? You would you. What would you call it? Like seriously, if you. If it was to come out, would it be called Nine Mile, or would you have to call it Eight Mile again? Uh, I would. Uh, I I
0: call it like uh, 13 kilometers. <laughs> if Iggy was in it, that makes sense. Just for the international, you know, market as well. So yeah, yeah, it'd be called 13 kilometers in Australia. I. I also guessed at what the difference is. I have no idea what the miles to kilometers uh, difference is. I don't know what eight miles is Speaking in kilometers. Speaking
1: reboots, uh, did you see the Ghostbusters trailer? Yes.
0: So I saw the trailer, um, and it did not look particularly good to me. Uh, but then I saw someone recut the trailer, like a fan recut the trailer, and it looked awesome, in the same way as the Batman versus Superman uh, trailer. Sorry, I've just got to
1: interrupt. Mike Howell has just clarified it would be... 12.8748 kilometres. Geez, I wasn't far <laughs> off. That was a pretty good guess to honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's rare that I guess and get things actually that close. I've, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm like, all right, nice one, Andrew. Yeah, I
1: think the thing about that Ghostbusters trailer was that it just, it wasn't funny. Like, I mean, the original film yeah. is first and foremost a comedy, but this one seemed to focus more right. on the cy- well, the paranormal fantasy aspect. But Paul Feig is a comedy director and all those women are really
0: funny. So I'd hope the movie is going to be funny. I mean... I did think it was kind of weird and problematic that all the white, you know, women are smart, successful science types and, the, you know, they still went with that kind of black, you know, sassy, I work on the rails sort of character. In a world where you're doing the women in like, you know, you're kind of going, hey, this is us making a statement. You're still like, but the black person can't be a scientist still. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was just the whole thing kind of, again, it felt like that – they're saying, it's, uh, they're saying it's a complete reboot, as in this is not a sequel. This is not, you know, there were no events of 1984. But by the same t- token, there's like scenes that seem directly lifted out of the old one. And I just don't understand uh, who that's for. Like, cause they're, if they're trying to get a new audience, then why are they honoring these old, the, these old scenes? Because the kids aren't going to know them. It just, seems, it just seems confused. But having said that, I didn't like the trailer for Spy and ended up quite liking that film. Yeah, that kind of made me laugh. I thought there were some good
0: moments in that film. Uh, I was going to say with the Footloose reboot, what they should have done with that, it should have been a story about a town that was so strict that people there could not even see the original movie Footloose. And it was about like all these kids who wanted to like have a night where they played Footloose, and then they could all dress in those clothes and like have the tribute because they were tributing Footloose. You know what
1: I think would be a great sequel for footloose would actually be uh, a prequel and it would tell the story of a young pastor who moves to a town where dancing is rampant oh. and it's out of control and people are dying and this one brave pastor takes on the system to ban <laughs> dancing and save a town and you could you know what that's and great. you could call it footstop <laughs> foot, <tight. laughs>
0: foot tight foot tight <laughs> <laughs> Foot tight, the Footloose prequel. <laughs> I like it. I got to be honest with you, I like it. Who do we cast as a young? John, who John, the John new, Lithgow. It John, no, John Boy, Lithgow. No, John Lithgow. Yeah. That's who I mean. Uh, who's a, who do you cast as the jo- the young pastor John Lithgow? It's got to be someone who can. I reckon it's someone. The guy go who go plays
1: on. Foggy Nelson in Daredevil. He's got a, like a John Lithgowish quality. Oh, and he could. Right, he was in the Mighty Ducks, and, and he could play like a Baptist. Minister or something, don't you reckon? He could do southern. Because he's yeah, yeah, he's a really. good he's actor. southern, isn't he? John Lithgow that. I get the feeling is like fire and brimstone. Hang on, let's just, uh, Michael, can you just uh, bring up the synopsis for Footloose? Because I just need to clarify. The yes. reason they banned dancing the town is because kids got drunk and were driving back from a dance party and smashed their car and died. And from that, they extrapolated that they should ban dancing, which is kind of like this situation in Sydney right now. <laughs> Mike Baird is, right. <laughs> is the preacher from Footloose.
0: I mean, it is one of those things where um, they, they they really didn't go to the problem, which was drinking and driving.
1: It wasn't the dancing that was a problem. You're really
0: blaming the wrong bit of that situation, to be honest. Ban drinking and driving. That's the simple solution. Yeah. Okay, what do we know about Footloose? Have yeah, we got okay. some details? So, uh...
1: A classic tale of teenage rebellion and repression features a delightful combination of dance choreography and realistic and touching performances. When teenager Ren McCormack and his family move from a big city Chicago town to a small Midwestern town, he's in for a real case of culture shock. Though he tries hard to fit in, the okay. streetwise Ren can't quite believe he's living in a place where rock music and dancing are illegal, kind of like being in Sydney. However, there is one small pleasure. Ariel Moore, a troubled but lovely blonde with a jealous boyfriend and a Bible-thumping minister who is responsible for keeping the town dance-free. Ren and his classmates want to do away with this ordinance, especially since the senior prom is around the corner, but only Ren has the courage to initiate a battle to abolish the outmoded ban and revitalize the spirit of a repressed townspeople. So it doesn't say why it was banned. It just says it was. Maybe we should go to Wicca. Can we
0: Google what, why was, yeah, yeah, let's go to the uh, Wikipedia Ma- or Google Mike, why. Mike, can you look
1: that up for us? Can you just Google why was dancing band in Footloose?
0: Yeah, I want to know that. I need to know what the initial is. I think you're right. I think your memory of this is pretty good. But I will say that I reckon in the in the prequel, it's got to be really bad. Like, it can't just be one incident. It's got to be dancing's out of yeah. control. You know, everyone in the town is just constantly dancing. There's a lot of dance-related injuries. People's relationships are breaking up because of dancing. Maybe you could
1: sort of put like kids love the supernatural. Maybe there's a curse on the town, like they've been cursed to never stop dancing, oh, yeah. and then a holy minister has to come to town and <laughs> save them. Okay, it's more a M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> sort of film now. All right, now let's keep it. We'll keep it in the. In, we'll keep it in the in the realm of, of the of the believable. So. Why would dancing be out of control in a town? Yeah, okay, why would it? Well, I mean, it's got to be
0: because of sex. Like, sex, you know, back then, because you're thinking about the time period it's set in, Right. Like, you know, sex was a big thing. And like dancing, it's why like all the, you know, you you should never let, if you've got a partner, never let them go on like dancing with the stars or whatever, because that essentially just means I want a divorce because you can't, you can't dance with someone for eight hours a day without fucking, it's impossible to do. I don't think anyone in the history of dancing has ever danced with someone for eight hours and not had (laughs) sex with that person.
1: You're obviously you're obviously never sixteen at any time then because that's all I did was dance with girls and never have sex with them i I, I danced and tried desperately to hide my erection
0: <laughs> but I would have thought if it was eight you know if it was like eight hours a day like sex sexy dancing so I reckon sex and then someone dies like I, I maybe there's
1: some dance related injuries but I reckon it's someone dies you know what you do is uh you merged two dance movie franchises for this prequel. Do you remember um, l- uh-huh. Lombarda, the forbidden dance? Is it the Lombarda? No, Lamumba. Oh yeah, yeah. Mumbo. Bla- Black Mumbo, Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. The Lamumba, <laughs> La- Laumba. Yeah. No, Lamumba. Uh, Mike, how can you look up the forbidden dance for us, please? It's, l- l- it's. Oh, I knew it a second
0: ago, but now stupid fucking versions of it. <laughs> l- <No>. banana <laughs> Yeah, lambada, <laughs> the forbidden dance. Lambada,
1: lambada, lambada. Yeah, that. So, so you merge. <laughs> the forbidden dance is in the town yeah. uh, where the preacher arrives in, and so people are doing this forbidden, sinful dance, and they're all uh, fucking yeah. and 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 uh, and dancing too much, and so he has to drive dancing out because. Crops are going untended. Children are being uh, abandoned in in their homes because all the adults are doing is dancing and fucking because someone introduced Lombarda. Okay, here we go.
0: Look at this. Um, According to the musical, dancing is banned because the pastor's son, this is great for our uh, prequel, the pastor's son dies in a bridge accident after a night of doing drugs and partying. The pastor goes on to ban dancing. Again, again, right.
1: You've missed what killed him.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, we can't ban drugs or bridges. They're both very important things for our community. So dancing's got to go.
1: Well, that that does make a lot of sense for the for the prequel. So he arrives with a son. So he's a you make it like seven. He's yep. like Brad Pitt in seven. He's new to town. Uh, Oh, no, that doesn't work because Brad Pitt's baby wasn't born in that film. You've got to make him a guy who's got like a, what, 15-year-old son? Yeah, yep. he rides with a 15-year-old son. Yeah, and he's a single dad, I ah. guess.
0: Like he's a pastor, yeah. single dad coming to town. Maybe he,
1: maybe his wife died from a dancing-related incident, so he'd seen the dangers. Of, <laughs> you, what you do is you start the film with like, you know how they, what do they call, it's like a, Before like a Michael Bay film or a Shane Black film, there's always like a a cold opening where, you know, you see a young couple in love and she goes and hits a dance floor and then, I don't know, maybe like like a lighting fixture falls down and a lighting cable hits the floor and she gets electrocuted on the floor and he's like, no! So he's always known dancing is extremely dangerous. That's the, that's, that's the cold opening. How about
0: it's that, um, t- to merge yet another dancing franchise into this movie, if we're going to go for it, uh, how about they're trying to do that bit from Dirty Dancing, you know, the one they practice in the water, where she uh, runs and she jumps into Patrick Swayze's arms, but he pushes her up too high and she flips over and breaks yeah. her neck.
1: Or he impales her face first into a log, just like, straight through the back of her right. head. <laughs>
0: yeah they haven't checked the height of the roof, and he does that thing and pushes
1: her out and he literally just slams her head into an exposed beam and she dies or put, lifts her up and just puts her straight into a ceiling fan just like <laughs> That's the opening yeah. scene of the yeah. movie.
0: You see them at a dance and she he, she wants to dance with him, yeah, right? She's like, she loves the dance and he's there at the dance and she's like, I want to dance with you. I've always wanted to dance with you. And he's like, I don't dance, I'm the pastor. (laughs) It's not the way that, you know, people can't see me dancing, you know, that sort of thing. And then she goes, well, I'll go and dance with this guy. And they're dancing all sexually and the pastor's like feeling jealous from the side and he's feeling impure thoughts. And then the guy goes to lift her up, head straight into the ceiling (laughs) fan,
1: roll opening (laughs) credits. (laughs) two yeah. years later
0: and then you see him driving yeah. into town
1: yeah and he's got to be driving an old Volkswagen yeah. uh, v- Volkswagen Beetle like, like, like Kevin Bacon Yeah, perfect but in fact yeah. he's driving the yeah. same one that Kevin Bacon's driving because then he can sell it to Kevin Bacon at the end of the, the prequel well it's yeah. new it's brand yeah, new yeah, it's yeah. new when he's driving yeah. it in totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea yeah. he used some of the insurance money so is is there a, is there has to be an antagonist so there's got to be the, the the there's a guy who runs a dance school a Lombarda dance school and he could yeah. be played by Christopher Walken what? <laughs> I like it cuz he yeah cuz he can yeah. dance
0: you know you like remember we did that fat boy slim thing he's actually a trained professional dancer but also he's an older creepy yeah. guy and he's probably like using dance to have sex with the like younger people in town and yeah. stuff like that I reckon and he's probably he's probably selling the drugs that the kid ends up getting involved you in.
1: know how I kind of see it you shoot it in the same style as like Roadhouse remember there was just that spate in the late yeah. 80s where it was like you know, he's a bartender. It's a superstar lifestyle as a bartender. Or he's a bouncer. It's a superstar lifestyle as a bouncer. Like Patrick Swayze was this uh, bouncer who read philosophy novels and drove like a Mercedes Benz and was a martial artist and all this kind of shit. So if you do it a right. bit like in that style, because in Roadhouse, there's like the old guy who just, you know, is old money and just runs the town. Like he's the, you know he's got all the police and his payroll and stuff. So that maybe that's what our young pastor walks into, is that uh, that that town is got to clean up? And Christopher Walken is the Lombarda, the corrupt Lombarda instructor.
0: Well, it's it, it's like I don't know if you've been reading this in the newspaper, but there was this lawyer in Melbourne that's just been assassinated, uh, assassinated in a ga- a gangland hit. Like that, he had five hundred dollars uh, five hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> the worth the cheapest hit of all time. He had uh, five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Uh, Bounty put on his head And I was saying In the paper today That it started At a hundred thousand And no one Would kill him and then it went up to 200,000, and no one would kill him. And the police went round and warned him when it was 250,000 that they were like, hey, there's a bounty on your head. And this guy still didn't leave. And it got up to 500,000 before someone went, oh, fuck it, I'll do it for half a million dollars, right? So they've killed him. And the person that they had told at the time, who they believed the hit, was a guy who runs a chain of very prominent pizza shops. In Australia, like ones that, you know, most Australians have been to at some stage. So I think it's that sort of thing where like Christopher Walken runs this like dance studio or these dance parties or whatever, but it's really because he's the organised crime guy in town and he knows that's the best way to get the drugs out to the kids, to get the hooch out to the kids, to, you know, kind of control the town. But he's got this kind of front of being, you know, the dance guy. But he's
1: also an awesome dancer. Like there's got to be a scene in which like... So, I reckon, you know, John Lithgow, who uh, his character's name, by the way, is and Shaw Moore. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say it. Shaw Moore. <laughs> As in Tony Shaw, Kelvin Moore. Shaw Moore. That's actually That's the his character's name? name in the film. Why has that gone unnoticed for so long? That is a bizarre name for a character. Shaw Moore. Shaw Moore. Sounds like a vocal warm up. Shaw-, Shaw Moore. Shaw,
0: Shaw, yeah, Moore. Tony
1: Shaw, Kelvin really? Moore. Yeah, Shaw, Moore. So this is young Shaw turns up to town, and I think uh, he comes by the school, and it's like that scene in um, uh, the Karate Kid where they go to the Cobra Kai's uh, studio for the first time, and you just see like all the dancers, you know, in front, and then you see Crystal Walken come out, and he's got like the Snake Hips. He's just got like all the moves down. Like you can tell these other dancers are all good dancers, but Old Snake Hips is the one you got to watch. And there should be like this sense of just like underlying dread and power in the way Christopher Walken talks to the preacher is like, this is my town.
0: Well, I think the first time you see him, you should see him doing that little foot move that like, uh, that uh, Kevin Bacon actually does in Footloose. You know, yeah, the yeah, famous sort of such little... Side shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's actually just in his normal clothes, like in his suit or whatever it is that he's wearing in the thing. But you just start on the feet and you see the little you know, thing while he's there. And you, <laughs> ah, This is good. This is how
1: you make movies. Just take your favourite bits <laughs> of other movies and paste them together. I'm <laughs> just wondering if we're going to be merging Lombarda, Footloose... And uh, Dirty Dancing, if we need to change the title to something that encompasses all of that. So, Dirty Lombarda Loose. (laughs) Dirty. (laughs) Stop the Dirty dirty Loose Barter.
0: Stop the Dirty Loose Barter. Uh, Dirty Foot (laughs) Barter.
1: (laughs) We could call it Dirty Foot Barter. I like it. Dirty Foot. Dirty Foot. (laughs) Dirty Foot.
0: Dirty Foot. And then... Dirty foot colon
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the forbidden yeah. dance. Um, and so no, we we call it's the Footloose prequel. We're just stealing good bits okay. from other films so, to so, make it. We're not going so to we still call it
1: Foot Tight. Yeah, okay. Foot Tight.
0: I mean that's it's got to yeah, yeah. be right. And so <laughs> and so he comes to town. He's got his kid. Uh, he's experienced no joy since his wife died dancing. The kid's never been able to dance, obviously. So you get a little bit of that. Like, you get a little bit of like, almost like the Kevin Bacon story in that, like this kid, and he's like, I want to dance. And then he gets, he falls in with that wrong dance Mm. crowd
1: and then shit, then shit gets real. I think there's got to be a scene where he sees like, because he's trying to restart his life. He's disconnected from his teenage son and his son looking yep. for th- something to do in this new town where he doesn't have any friends, falls in with the Lombarda crowd. And oh, then it yeah. becomes a question of he's torn between two fathers because one father is there for him, has all the time in the world, but his motivation is sinister, where his real biological father is right. just trying to make the best life he can, but there's demands of his job and the grief of uh, losing his wife all those years ago. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, th- I, I, like th- I, I like the idea that um, not only there's that, but I, can we use modern songs? I know in Dirty Dancing you have a tr- trouble with the fact that they use a modern song. Uh, it's a time travel <laughs> film. Uh, can, we use a, can we have him just sitting around listening to Careless Whisper by Wham? Like, you know, I, I'm never going to dance again. My guilty feet have got no on, rhythm. Are you talking
1: about the pastor or the, or the pastor's kid? Yeah, the pastor. Okay. The pastor. The pastor.
0: Because I, I think the pastor always wanted to dance. This is the thing. He would have wanted to dance with his wife back then and you, there, maybe there's even scenes of him like, you know, dancing at home like as if he's, like ghost style, okay? Mm. Like as if she's there, he's dancing at home but he, can't, but he can't bear to like dance in public because,
1: you know, it brings back the yeah, memories. totally. So if that's the... If uh, Footloose took place in, was it 1984, 1985? Hang on, let's look at... 1984. So how... What? How long a prequel is it? Ten years, I guess. So John Lithgow would be in his—he'd be in his 30s when he's there with his 15-year-old son. Yeah. So let's say 10 years. So 19—it's 1974. Yeah. So he's not listening to Careless Whisper. It's more like the Village People. It's disco. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not quite the same though. It doesn't—you know—it doesn't have the lyrics. I'm never gonna dance again. That's. The I'm problem. sure we can
1: find. I mean, I'm but, sure we can find another song with the word dance in it. I've got a feeling there's others out there. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. I'm fine with that then. I'll, I'll compromise on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. But then we have to see, like, it has to actually be John Lisko, the hero. Like, the the banning dancing has to kind of actually shut down the yeah. crime, you know, at the end. We want it, we actually want to see him be the hero at the end so that we understand that it was actually at the time it maybe it was necessary to shut down the yeah, dance. Yeah,
1: yeah. But then, because I guess at the end of the original film, Footloose, they come to an understanding, don't they? Like... He sees that his daughter's happy and... Does he come to the dance and hug his daughter or something? I can't remember. How is that resolved? I guess it would be unusual if the I think film was left a- with an open ending where the father's fuming that his, uh, his daughter's boyfriend's brought dancing to the town. It's never resolved. I'm assuming they tied up that loose end.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that bit in Footloose right after the credits? I stayed till after the credits and it was just John Lithgow sobbing and cutting himself. Like it was really disturbing. Michael,
1: could you just go to Wikipedia and look up the detailed synopsis of uh, Footless and find out if there's a scene where uh, Shaw Moore goes to his daughter and 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 you know and reconciles with her? I, I think there might even be a YouTube clip. See if you can find something for us. Thank you. There must be. I mean, there must be. A re- you can't imagine they would have made that film without some sort of reconciliation. In By the, the way, what are we going to be calling, if it's Shaw Moore, what's his son's name? Uh... Oh, that's good. So his name's Shawmore. So the
0: last name's Moore, yeah. right? Uh, maybe he's, uh, his son's name is Do, du, Do-Moore, <laughs> and he's always on his back for him to do more.
1: <laughs> or Demi. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh, or, or maybe it's another rhyming one. Is that the idea? Well, Should his name be well, like, Well, his daughter's know... name is
1: Ariel. I mean, sorry, that's his... Yeah, the pastor's uh, daughter's name is Ariel, so... She's doesn't have a rhyming thing. It's not like a Kardashian thing. Sure more. Okay, so maybe it's maybe it's another part of the television. Could then. you could, uh if she's aerial, then it, he maybe he's remote. <laughs> remote more. I like it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Little yeah. Remy. Remy yeah, Moore. Moore.
0: <laughs> these are my <laughs> These are my kids remote and aerial. We love tell uh, Yeah,
1: them. <laughs> Remy Moore. Perfect. Um Okay so, okay, so the kid gets uh, drawn into the dangerous world of lombarda dancing. And so I think what yeah. happens is it's yeah. on the surface. There, there's a surface world of lombarda dancing that everyone knows, you know. But there's actually also like a street-level lombarda. There's unsanctioned lombarda dance-offs and that's what the kid gets drawn into.
0: Okay, well now you're in you're stepping into the world of like your step off yeah. movies and step up movies, that yeah. sort of stuff. You know, you're underground. Now we're getting that sort of, you know, Fast and the Furious crowd in. You know, that's 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 your angle. I like this. Okay, yes Okay.
1: Go. So, here's what happens. Reverend Moore is rehearsing his next sermon in a chapel and Ren comes in and listens. When the reverend notices him, he stops and they talk. Wren tells him they're having a dance at the Cotton Gin in Basin and he wants to take Ariel as his date. Wren promises to be respectful to Ariel. He tells the reverend the dance means a lot to him, but his daughter means more. Hey, sure, more, your daughter means more. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he won't go to the dance if you can't take Ariel. The reverend has to decide and Ren tells him, you ought to do, you, you ought to do, you, you gotta do what you've got to do and thanks him and leaves. During this sermon on Sunday, Reverend Shaw tells the congregation that we all need to take responsibility for our own lives. He explains that we have to trust. We can't hold on forever. He announces the senior no. class is having a dance in the basin and he hopes they can all go and support it. Ren and Ariel and the other students smile and cheer. That's a beautiful message. Ah, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. That's
0: nice. That's a really nice so, ending. I so like that,
1: that actually does tie in because although he's posited as the the antagonist or the villain of Footloose he actually isn't a villain Mm -hmm. he was trying to save his town so that fits in perfectly with our hero's journey in the prequel Foot Type he's a right perfect he's a a a, a, yeah he's a moral man who just he made the call that he thought he had to make to save the town because this Lombarda This (laughs) uh, this, <laughs> this underground Lombarda dancers are getting out of control because I guess the thing is, Will, once you allow Lombarda into your town, then you're inviting drug dealers into your town, gambling, prostitution, and that's what would go on at these meetings. Like, you know, he smokes a joint on his first time there and then, you know, steps it up a bit to uh, ice and, you know, then he's onto the horse and then. Before you know it, he's like sucking dicks for eight balls. I
0: mean, I don't even just think that. I mean, just even the other dances you have to worry about. You know, if you open the door to the Lambada, <laughs> then suddenly you've got Macarena in yeah. town. You know, people are definitely doing the YMCA back in that era. There's a whole range of like... It's a gateway yeah. dance for other yeah. dances. The chicken you know? dance.
1: na 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 that's going to drive you crazy. Uh,
0: you know, you're going to have people doing the bus stop. Uh, you know, there's, the people are going to be doing the time warp.
1: There's a lot of dances uh, there are too, because you could do the LMAFO, that that the Melbourne shuffle dance. You could do the, who is that? Psy, si? <laughs> you know, Psy, si, the Hey Sexy Lady. Oh, that one, Gangnam yeah. Style. Well, that's uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I love that, that. That's had one billion like YouTube views, and you still couldn't quite remember <laughs> what the name of it was. <laughs> Oh, it's not called
1: Hey Sexy Ladies. Oh. No. It's called Gangnam Style. I hate it when the name of the song is not in the chorus. Oh, does he say Gang? Does he say Gangnam Style? Hey, sexy ladies. Yeah, gangnam style. Oh, yeah, he does too. I take <laughs> I apologize, si. I take it back. What's that? Where's he now? I mean, he Because uh, 'cause didn't he sign like a three album deal with Jay Z or something?
0: Uh well he was already a big star, like in that kind of uh, K pop yeah. world. Uh, By the way, you should just explain to people at home what is going on right now and what I'm seeing down this Skype (laughs) So we're
1: recording at about uh, 5pm Sydney time, which is uh, Junior's dinner time. So he is quite uh, persistently (laughs) sticking his face in between me and the microphone to let me know he needs to eat. Uh, Could we just pause for a sec while I feed my dog? So Charlie, while we
0: we're on a break, just then, uh, Mike Hal and I were having a conversation, and he looked up uh, "Size Gangnam mm. Style," uh, two point five billion views that it has had. Uh, the world population is seven point one two five billion, and "Size Gangnam Style" has had two point five billion views on YouTube.
1: Wow! How many uh, downloads did the latest episode of Top get? <laughs> I
0: mean. <laughs> If you round up 2.5 billion, I wonder if he got as many complaints about the sound quality of Gangnam Style.
1: <laughs> so, can, uh, Michael, can you tell us where Cy uh, si is now? What's the state of his uh, record contract? Is he got a new sing- I know I know he did a he did a horrible, horrible single with Snoop Dogg called Hangover, which was the weird music video, which they vomit like streamers or something, or they vomit coloured vomit or something. It's very weird weird music video but that i haven't heard of him since
0: that i mean i guess he's still probably making k-pop and stuff but does he even have to work again wouldn't you have thought after like gangnam style he could just like you know sit back and just be gangnam style now oh here we go let's find out what's size up to okay this... uh, as of the yeah as of the middle of 2015 Psy si is working on his next album so there you go the the much like awaited and expected follow-up uh, YG Entertainment confirmed that the album's been delayed in order to work on a new direction to appeal to a wider oh, audience. And I want wider g- than 2.5 billion. How fucking wide are you going to get? I love when you get a, a single that's been viewed by 2.5 billion people, and your record company goes, "Yeah, but I think we could be a, a bit more broad and kind of really." Get some people in. I mean, that's only a third of the people in the entire world, and half of the people in the world don't even have the internet. So you're really nailing it, to be honest, mate.
1: Fucking hell, that's that. That is a, a, a that's a record executive desperate to keep his job. So I, I reckon we can go bigger.
0: <laughs> right, I think we can get three billion minimum for your next one. Uh, so uh, it is unknown whether Daddy. Apparently, that's how he's referred to. Oh no, that's his single. It is unknown whether Daddy. <laughs> Or his other, uh, or his other singles released will appear on the album that is set uh, to be released later this year. So he's obviously put out some other singles that have not gone as big as Gangnam Style, Daddy, for example. On March twenty eighth, twenty fifteen, he released a music video for his song Father. So there's a single called Daddy and another single called Father. Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> all, a, an issue. I feel
1: like he may have some issue, some Father issues. It's like if you see a stripper. With daddy tattooed on her arm. You're like, mm, someone needs to work through some things. Yeah, yeah, that explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> if there's one that says
0: father on the other arm, then you're really <laughs> in a lot of trouble.
1: So it says on December 1st, uh, 2015, Psy released his seventh album titled Chill Jip Cider. Chill Dip Cider. I wonder if that's like a play on something. Chill Dip Cider. I mean, it must be, right? You'd think...
0: I mean, but maybe just not in a language we can Mark understand. Michael, can mean, you it, Google it, it,
1: Translate that for us or find out what chill, chill Gyps cider means, please?
0: Okay, but it's out. And it's been out for like a couple of, oh, three months now. And we, I don't know. Have you heard much heat about size daddy? Have you heard daddy been dropped into anything? No, no,
1: because I, I, I kind of have daddy issues. I can't, and right. <laughs> that I can't download it onto my phone. <laughs>
0: yeah i understand that um well i mean i'm i'm interested i'm interested to see his new direction and to see if it is more mainstream uh <laughs> more mainstream yeah. than the biggest i'd like, I'd like to see him really i mean that's crazy when you think about that i mean that's obviously got to be a lot of people watching it over and over to get to 2.5 billion but that's still just i mean it's incredible i think
1: what they need to do it's all about reinvention they should go the opposite way and go ultra niche like, he should be looking to move into kind of death metal or spoken word or something that is like, you know, I've I've got a third of the planet listening to my music. Now it's time to go into a different direction and see if I can drag the fans with me. Imagine if he just went into kind of, I don't know, like uh, acid jazz or something like that. uh Yeah, I'd like to see it.
0: I mean, you know, maybe just sigh on the decks, not even just, just mixing stuff, you know, mixing stuff and dancing. Or maybe like sigh... And an orchestra, uh, you know, like yeah, you know, how the big bands will go out with an orchestra. Yeah. I'd like to see Psy si- si and uh, strings, you know, Sigh and
1: the, you know, Sigh unplugged, you know? a beautiful oh, acoustic oh, version cool. of uh, "Hey Sexy Ladies" unplugged. I oh, know it's not called what's
0: it called? Gang of Style yeah. <laughs>
1: unplugged. No,
0: when he does it acoustic, he calls it "Hey
1: Sexy yeah, Ladies." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and yeah. I, I would love to see that. And he Just changes the lyrics uh, uh, to honor Lady Diana. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's it, Psy does an acoustic tour and they call
1: it Silent yes. Night. Brilliant. And yeah. they do it in Easter so it's Lent Night. <laughs> Somebody at the company is like, we've nailed this. This is brilliant. It's great. This is what people have wanted.
0: They just want Psy to slow it down a little bit, you know? Lo-fi Psy. That would also work.
1: Science and fiction.
0: <laughs> uh, Alright. Uh, is uh 7th album is the translation. Oh, so, you, so that's what yeah it right
1: means. yeah so it's like uh, it's like blue yeah. with song 2 right
0: yeah i guess it is like blue with song yeah. 2 it's Psy's 7th album so he just called it Psy's 7th like that, album that's the okay. that's Psy. the direction
1: i should go yeah. into Psy should single-handedly bring back bring, bring back britpop
0: can uh michael can you look up the the lyrics of gangnam style i would love to know what he was actually you know, talking about. Because I know that it, you said, hey to the sexy ladies, but I can't remember actually what the, the rest of the lyrics of Gangnam Style were. Like what the message that Cy si was getting out to the world that wasn't mainstream
1: enough. Yeah, what was what was this, What, I, what I, were I, the other lyrics? Were there any other English lyrics besides the core? Can you remember? Okay, here we go. Oh, here we go. All right. Uh, so, uh, a go girl, go. Yeah,
0: go on. All right. A girl who was warm and humane during the day A classy girl who knows how to enjoy the freedom of a cup of coffee. Okay, well, yeah, sure. A girl whose heart gets hotter when night comes. A girl with that kind of twist. I'm a guy, a guy who is warm as you during the day. A guy who one-shots his coffee... He's, a, he's big on coffee. <laughs> it all comes back to coffee, to be honest, a lot with Cy. Uh, a, a guy who one-shots his coffee before it even cools down. Whoa, oh, tough. fuck you, Cy. Fucking you. hell, don't with Right. And it's a venti latte, too, which is really impressive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a guy who heart, whose heart bursts when night comes, that's because of the amount of coffee he's sculling <laughs> per day. That kind of guy... Beautiful, lovable, yes you, hey, yes you, hey. Beautiful, lovable, yes you, hey, yes you, hey. Now let's go until the end. Oppa is Gangnam Style, Gangnam Style. Oppa is Gangnam Style, Gangnam Style. Oppa is Gangnam Style. Is Gangnam Style. A sexy lady. Oppa is Gangnam Style. Uh, what is? I did not. I don't remember any of those. No, no, because it was
1: on Korean. Oh, that's right. <laughs>
0: That makes yeah. a lot more sense. I was like, how can I not remember any of those lyrics? Oh, yeah, it was in Korean. That does make a lot more sense. Well, is his new one in English or in Korean still? I guess still in Korean because that's his big market. Like, you wouldn't want to go away from that. Sometimes when they say more mainstream, they mean more English. I seem but... to think
1: the, the one I saw with Snoop Dogg, which was his first one after Gangnam Style, I seem to remember was in English. Mm. Although, I, don't think, I think it was that kind of thing where you'd team up a rapper and a singer where all... Sire had to sing was the chorus, and then Snoop Dogg took over the rest of the lyrics. Is there, by the way, how hard do you think it'd be to get Snoop Dogg to guest rap on your album? I think it's impossible not <laughs> to get him to guest
0: rap on your album. I think if you're making an album, the reason, like, literally, when you get your record deal, they've gone, well, A, we've got um, one more condition Snoop is going to want to do a track. Like, literally, he must just walk around. Like, he must get high in the morning and then just walk around Ricordio Studios looking who he can collaborate yeah. with. He is the Carlos Santana of rap.
1: Him and him and, Pit, him and, and I be- Pitbull. I saw this um, A Pitbull is on a, a, a music video now. And at the start, like, I think he was not subtle, but his product placement was, you know, a bit more uh, uh, blended into the video. This video I saw, I don't know who it was for, or some girl singing, was uh-huh. him sitting in a chair cradling a bottle of his own tequila like ordinarily in a music yeah. video it's a guy like you know staring at a girl adoringly he was staring at this bottle of tequila like he was gonna fuck it it was literally him just waving the bottle in front of the camera and then i think he wrapped like one verse or something yeah i've seen that i can't even remember what it was but i remember just thinking pitbull he knows what's going on pitbull if we can't get christopher walken oh, pitbull could easily oh, let's, play no, let, let's do it 100 that, that that that's great that's great casting <laughs> But I feel in the contract negotiations of the film, he's going to somehow want to get a bottle of tequila into every scene. Right. Well, that's him making
0: his own tequila back then. That's the alcohol yes. they're buying. That's his whole underground hooch yes. business. Yes. And he gets to plug his yeah. tequila. Maybe
1: you kind of make it like Boardwalk Empire. It doesn't work in the 70s, but you have like that kind of like there's an illegal... Maybe alcohol's been banned in the town. And then... Yeah, of yeah, course. And then, and then, so dance, that's why people are, you know, there's more of a kind of rebellion into the dancing is because there's nothing else. But then once the accident happens, they ban dancing as well. That would make sense they right. nev- they yeah, never because they never say in, in the Footloose that dancing and alcohol were banned at the same time. So it might very well be that alcohol was already banned and then they had to ban dancing. Yeah, right,
0: because that's where people were going and actually still yeah.
1: having alcohol. So that would also make more sense because we've been joking, well, they banned the wrong thing. Alcohol was already banned, so he's left with no resort but to band Mm -hmm. dancing. So it actually makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, we tried banning alcohol, guys, and that didn't work. People are still
0: dying, so we've got to ban the dancing. We said you've got to keep those dancers clean or we're going to have to ban Excuse the dancing. sure,
1: more. Um, have we tried banning uh, drugs, uh, maybe putting uh, 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 more police on the roads or, I don't know, uh, uh, testing at these dance parties to you know, make sure people are, are taking stuff that's not going to hurt them?
0: Look, I'm against pill testing at these barn dances, <laughs> and it only encourages it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's good. That's good. I like that. And I think Pitbull, that's good to get across the line. I think Pitbull probably has oh, a bit yeah. of heat
1: and he's probably looking for an, a- a- an acting project. You it's know? Quite, I think that's kind of yeah. weird. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know that much about uh, uh, the Pitbull world, but from what I've seen of him, it's like yeah. he seems to be a cross between Bruce Willis and George Clooney. <laughs> that seems to be his image. Always in suits, kind of bald, and seems to be kind of tough as well. I saw some YouTube footage of him playing a concert somewhere. Where a guy like jumps onto the stage is dancing around and he just walks up and punches him in the head and keeps rapping like without miss it without
0: missing oh, a slide. He's he's like a guy who runs a nightclub who just like runs one of those nightclubs where he's allowed to rap whenever yeah, he really yeah. wants to rap and he can yeah, he's got the vodka and he, but that's what he, the image he presents. But he's like I think he's like Cuba's biggest like, music star or whatever. I think that was, I think that's the Pitbull story. Yeah, he right. was like, you know, he's massive Like in that. He played, didn't he play at the opening ceremony of the, the World Cup or
1: something Did like he? that? I'm pretty sure Pitbull played yeah, like, right. yeah. So maybe maybe Pitbull. we should be teaming up Cy, in, Cy and Pitbull. Yeah. That seems to be like the team up. Maybe we get Cy a cameo in this... In this film as well, like Pip, maybe he can be play. He can play. Here's what we do. He plays Pitbull's offsider, like he's heavy or whatever, like just strong silence. Because I don't know, uh-huh. I, don't, I haven't heard him speak English. But if his English isn't like that great, like a, 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 a um, uh, then we just give him a, a role where he can use his physicality. He can use that dance move, the horse dance move, as his kind of thing. So we make him. We make him the kind of heavy.
0: Did you? Do, did you just call him? The, did you just call him the silent?
1: Yes. Type? <laughs>
0: That'll be the joke that people yeah. makes. They go, "Oh, don't worry about him. He's the silent type," and
1: then just winks at the <laughs> camera because that's the sort of shit that people do. But the best thing do. about that is when it comes to writing the song, the single that goes over the credits. We've got two guys there, so we we sell a single Will Smith style. Ah, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you want. Yeah, uh,
0: uh, you know that song, "Give Me Everything." By Pitbull, it's kind of that was I think it was his biggest hit. It was the one in Pitch Perfect in the final thing where they the, the girls the the ballers do their little thing they do and Rebel Wilson does the rapping from it in that scene. Hang on, so it's pretty which good. Pitch scene. Perfect one or two? Okay, one. I don't, the first one I don't pitch remember perfect. the song, but okay. It's the big final thing that the ballers do when they go from being the boring ballers into the like you know the cool uh, ballers. So this is the um. There's I, I always love this lyric in there. I've just googled this and it's like. Um, here we go. Let's, let's find it. Ah, y- you'll remember it. It's like the one that goes, excuse me. I might li- drink a little bit more than I should tonight. And I might take you home with me if I could tonight. And baby, I'm going to make you feel so good tonight. That one. I just love that it starts with excuse me. <laughs> I feel like. Like, Pitbull, like, despite the fact that he's like, hey, person I don't know, we're going to go home and fuck all night, he's like, hey, excuse me. I'm going to drink a little bit more than I uh, I should, and I'm probably going to take you home with me if I could, and I'm going to make you feel so good, because we might not get tomorrow. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Excuse me. I'm the polite rapist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just think that Pitbull's mum would appreciate that he's still still has his original manners he hasn't lost those
1: <laughs> well uh so we've just done over an hour should we wind it up oh okay yeah, We have, yeah.
0: yeah cool all right it, with our break and everything that's good all right well let's do that that's this because i mean the skype is uh it's been a little in and out but hopefully with the recordings that we've done today people it'll sound a little bit don't better don't, because don't we recorded let it them separately. see behind the curtain don't promise <laughs> no, that just like, let, okay. let's not talk about what
1: could go wrong with the
0: podcast i mean it's a fair point isn't it really <laughs> uh look i imagine if it sounded shit yeah haven't listened this far, so whatever.
1: <laughs> uh, we should, prom- uh, we, we uh, should take I- uh, the time before you get to your uh, plugs is uh, to let everyone know that we uh, have a new podcast. Will and I, uh, after threatening yes. it for a very long time, have an AFL podcast called uh, Two Guys, One Cup that went up uh, a few days ago, which is basically our uh, pre-season preview. Um, just a few people have already uh, listened to it and, and the feedback's all been pretty good so far. I haven't had anyone... Uh, Michael Chamberlain was a little upset. Um, I did go after him quite a bit, but you know what? He, he texted me last night, and I know this is not the podcast for AFL Talk, but, you know, I, I feel like they've got a rival podcast. If this was the WWE, this is how you create some hate, we have a feud. Michael Chamberlain from Junk Time, after hearing our episode of Two Guys, One Cump, sent me a text that just said, 12 flags since 1961. Now, if that is not a shot across the bow, then I don't know what is. I mean, it's got to be one of those fake wars where... Uh, it's good for yes. both of us. Really, it just gets the
0: heat going for both of us. But we're both kind of in it, you know, like most politics <laughs> is. And so I, <laughs> uh, we we have to explain uh, that for anyone who does follow AFL, uh, we completely left Collingwood out of the. That that's the thing that we have to like. The, people have started to realise it now, particularly Collingwood <laughs> fans. Were like, did you not? Hang on, did I miss? Why? Why wasn't Collingwood yeah, in
1: it? I I kind of uh, was not a um, deliberate omission. We just we skipped over it, but then when I realised afterwards, it kind of made me laugh, and we uh, have been experimenting <laughs> with the idea of being the uh, the anti Herald Sun in that Collingwood will get no coverage on our podcast. No mentions. Only when things that go bad, then then we'll talk about them.
0: It's one of those things where, like, that's a totally tofop business plan because basically what we're saying is let's ignore the biggest, most passionate, loyal following football club while we do our <laughs> podcast. So you know, like, you guys have got Eddie McGuire and everything that he does. Um, can you explain uh, for the listeners at home? Uh, uh, about uh, our Patreon rewards for the live shows and when people will know about tickets and stuff for that because uh, I've been getting a few inquiries and stuff from people just going, hey, uh, when are we going to get a heads up about the live show? The live show is April the 9th. Uh, We've had a whole bunch of like... uh, guest charlie's agreed to pop in and play how will you uh, how will do you know charlie with us um it, basically everyone who's ever been on the podcast is happy to come and play so we're going to have um a heap of great guests and a heap of really funny people coming in to play that game it's going to be a huge night um do, do you know charlie yeah. when people so, are going to hear about uh, it and i how believe that's gonna next happen?
1: wednesday um our patreon subscribers will be getting uh, sent a link to their advanced tickets for the show and then tickets to the general public will go on sale the next day. I believe it's Wednesday, Thursday, It may be Thursday, Friday, but we can update people on the Facebook page. Uh, the only thing I would say, I've had a few inquiries from people saying, hey, look, I've just signed up to Patreon, but they haven't deducted any money yet. Will I still get early notification? And the best answer I can give is I don't know. I've looked for those people amongst our um, uh, amongst our Patreon list to see, and they, they're not listed yet. So I'll check again in a couple of days. And. It could be the case that if we have some legitimate people who have signed up but, um, you know, haven't signed up before because it changes over every month, they haven't been updated to our list, then we can potentially hold some tickets aside for people who signed up uh, to Patreon in the next two weeks and then release those tickets after the fact, if it sells out. I mean, there, hopefully not, but there may also still be tickets available the next day anyway.
0: Right, absolutely. And then uh, it'll be on sale to everybody. Um, and, yeah, it is on, on one night only. It's going to be a massive show. We have some awesome surprises up our sleeves. It's it just, look... It's it's just going to be great fun and a great party so uh come along and celebrate with us it's going to be uh Uh, an absolute cracker I I am on tour at the moment Fire at Will is my tour Uh, this comes out on Sunday so uh, Brisbane is done but I am in Melbourne from Wednesday for four weeks Wednesdays to Sundays it's selling really well so uh, get in early don't uh, message me in the last week and go you're all sold out I can't get tickets come early on when there's still a few tickets available and uh, April the 7th at the Sydney Opera House the first show is almost sold out now but there's plenty of tickets available for the second show that night so come and see that Justin Hamilton doing support and then I've got uh, Perth after that. Okay, Charlie. so
1: I've just got some uh, firm, firm times and dates. So the special fan uh, Patreon subscriber pre-sale will start at 9am on Thursday, the 24th of March and will end at 8.59 the following day. So you've got 24 hours to get in there and get your tickets um, and then yeah, it's a sale to the general public uh, from, from then on.
0: Okay, brilliant. There you go. Uh, that's some actual information for our business. Oh yeah,
1: business. and so... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, If you want to check out any of the podcasts we've got under um, the TOEFOP banner, which is Philosophy, uh, Faux Fop, That's Awesome, or Two Guys, One Cup, you can find it uh, at Omni.com. Is that right? Omni.com? Omniapp.com. Oh, OmniApp. OmniApp.com. O M N Y
0: A E Double P. OmniApp.com. Uh, or Omni Radio if uh, you want on your uh, like uh, players and shit like that. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. I mean, obviously, I just want to quickly say um, Osha uh, Osher Ginsburg is uh, on Willosophy this week. I just put up that episode and it's. Uh, it's 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 really amazing. I've been sitting on it for a while because I had to edit a couple of things out because Osha was very um open with me and we talked about a lot of like pretty full on things and he just wanted a t- couple of tiny things cut out. But that is finally up and I really
1: recommend people. have Yeah, I actually to that. just listened to it today actually, and it's fucking awesome. Like it's such a great uh, conversation. Like Osha really kind of um he's so honest and it's really amazing the thing you forget about osher is when someone's been on tv so long you kind of just take it for granted but then when you hear him talking about you know when he was on v and then australian idol that's like amazing like he's had more experiences in his career like more huge kind of like experiences and then to hear him talk about it and reflect on him with his new perspective is it's pretty amazing i I think it's a it's a a really it's a fantastic conversation i just loved it
0: yeah we had such a great time and there is also 30 minutes of it that didn't get recorded (laughs) because i'm a fucking idiot so (laughs) which was also great i'm charlie clausen i'm will addison (laughs)